my name is Jay. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, I help out with groups and, and care and other stuff like that. And uh, come talk to me whenever you get that chance. Um, so were, were any of you, I, I said this aloud when Matt was putting on that wig. I was like, no, don't. But, <laughs> but it, it happened and I can see it now. And uh, we'll all pay for that one day. We still are. Uh, so th- these last several weeks, we're, we're discovering and rediscovering the stories of some of these amazing people in, our, in, our, in this swooping, big, broad, broad stroke of, of salvation and history. And so we're looking at these, these folks like, um, I'm sorry, D- Dylan did a, such a great job with Noah, and Matt has Talk, has been doing a great job with Abraham and Isaac and, and Jacob. These guys, they're heroes of our faith. They're um, some those big, thick books that Matt was holding. They're patriarchs of our faith. They're our forefathers, and, and, and definitely, as Matt mentioned last week, a cast of broken people. Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And what's, I hope, you may have seen this too, but you know, the Bible doesn't sugarcoat that. The Bible isn't saying how great these folks are. They, there is, as you read Genesis, you're just, man, these people are messed up. Man, oh my gosh. And, and I'm not going to go there, but you, you have seen, like, it, this, no, it's not just PG-13. You know, it, it gets a little worse than that. And so we see these people mess up. We see them deceive. We see them lie and betray. And what's most important is, is we see them as these, yes, sinful, broken people that, that walk with a limp, that, that Matt mentioned last week, these human beings that God in his grace decides and determines to use for his good purpose. And so, Matt has mentioned a, f- a few resources as you work through your reading plan, as you work through the, the relevant um, booklet and, and so forth, the readings of Scripture. He's mentioned the Bible Project, which you can view on YouTube, which is great, um, which the videos are wonderful to explain uh, this, this bigger picture of what um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and so on, what, are the, what they are about. And just the animation and all that, the time that was spent on that is incredible. He's mentioned gotquestions.org. I'm, I'm giving a shout out to not only this resource, but also to folks in my life group just about this resource called the Bible Recap. If, uh, can I get a show of hands if you've heard of that, if you might be checking that out? This is so helpful and so such a great re. This is a, I got the fancy one for my wife. Um, it's, it, it's in paperback, it's in spiral. I mean, some of our group brags about that, which is kind of funny. But I'm bragging about this leather-bound edition. Um, you know who you are. This, this uh, leather-bound edition of the Bible Recap, and it really chronologically goes into just a helpful understanding of God's Word. And, and, and kind of ties it all up um, as, it, as it points 
you and me to the person of Jesus. So I want to give a shout out. So today, we close out Genesis. And we end again with this, this broken and beaten down person. But he doesn't stay down. Now he'd be the 11th son to, to Jacob and to his favorite right, wife, Rachel. He's the guy with the cool robe, the colorful robe, and fancy dreams that enrages his brothers, his family, to the point that he gets sold and abandoned into slavery. And he's, he's, deli- he's taken to Egypt. He's falsely accused and imprisoned and and has this incredible ability given by God to interpret these dreams. He does this um, for Pharaoh's servants, and he does this for Pharaoh, ultimately rising and, and, and elevating to this incredible status to, to, to figure out the, the course and the destiny and, 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 and the lives of people in Egypt and the surrounding territories. He's a, he becomes this big deal. And that's who we get to talk about today in Joseph. So let's pray together um, before we do that. Lord, we raise a hallelujah to the King of Kings. We sing to you. We learn about you. We, we glorify you. Um, and Lord, just with every breath, every step that we take, uh, you would use these moments to, to draw us closer to you. And that you would, Lord, I, I, I love how what's going on and what you're doing and, and, and the flow of the service and how you speak um, from as we sing your word to as we hear about your word. So Lord, would you do an awesome work in the hearts um, of your people today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, okay, show of hands. Yeah, I do that. Um, show of hands. How many of you would consider yourselves to be big-pictured people? Okay. I, how about the details and the, you know, the detailed-oriented people? Thank you. Thank you. I, I mean, I don't know exactly where I fit in there sometimes, and, and it's easier to find you know, those big-pictured people, because it, our, our culture, you know, there's, there's Steve Jobs, there's Walt Disney, there's, there's Bezos and Gates, and you just know who I'm talking about when Musk, all, the, all these names of, of just these big-pictured pi- people as innovators and, and so forth, but they obviously could not get to where they are without the people behind the scenes and the people who are able to, you know, uncover details and, 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 and work that out and, and so forth. And, and we know that Matt, as our lead pastor, he, he has both that privilege and that burden of, of this big picture um, that, that, that the, his staff and his team, we, we want to follow that and, and know what, and, you know, where, where, where God may be leading us as a church and leading him and, and so forth. There's, there's people that fall in the line of, of just taking care of, of details and helping Matt and the rest of us consider, you know, what we need to be thinking about as we make those, those big steps. You know, in, in the wisdom that God has given to his servant, Joseph, 
there's this big picture statement. Um, and I think it really captures so much of, of what we're reading and, and what we're doing. Um, it captures God. Um, this, this verse is at the end of Genesis chapter 50. And that's where we spend most of our time talking about today of, of what God is doing and what he has done in the life of Joseph, who we'll, still, we'll soon hear about with all the, just has, what has happened with him and his family and, and sold into slavery and so forth. And it's, it's from Genesis 50, I think it, it's up there, um, verse 19. But Joseph said to them, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, he's talking to his brothers. He's talking to the ones that have have sold him into slavery 30 plus years ago. You meant evil for me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So we're un- today we're unpacking that from both perspectives of what, what his brothers meant for evil and, and what God meant for good. But we also look at this not from just their perspective, but from, from our world, from um, the person that we see in the mirror. We look at painful places that our fallen, our fallen world falls into, this hard and harsh reality of sin, this hard and harsh reality of suffering, those things that are, are so apparent that, that we see, that we do, um, that we live with all the time. But there's also good news. There's this incredible news of, like, even though this evil intention of Joseph's brothers is met with, all, all of that happens, this evil, this selfishness, this anger, this hatred, this uh, pride, and, and so on and so on, God gives a better plan. God has a stronger response. God has a, a a power and a purpose. What, what you guys meant, all that, you know, evil stuff, I'm going to mean it for something good. You know, I, I mentioned this of when we think of the big picture. I think we, uh, I think we think this all the time. I think we're pretty conscious of, of this question that we ask that applies to life, to our past and present and, and future circumstances, to, to God. It's, it's just three letters. But we ask that question, why? In some ways, I hope we, that, that overlaps with what we're talking about this morning. So here, in your outline, um, it's divided into two parts of, of what uh, the part of, as he's talking to, brother, to his brothers, you meant evil, but God meant it for good. We're, 
we're also in chapter 37 today, and we examine the, the intentions of, of Joseph's brothers, and, and we, we get to see just this awful interaction, this total descent and this breakup of the family. And it, um, I have it, us beginning in, in verse 2 of chapter 37, and I think it's coming up on the screen. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. Now these are servants of his kind of formal wives of of Leah and Rachel. And and so out of Leah and Rachel and Bilhah and Zilpah, um, don't recommend you naming your kids that. You you know, there's this... 12 boys come from this family. I think another girl in Dinah, um, there's where we get the 12 tribes and so on and so forth. There's these 12 um, brothers that they have. And and this is what Joseph did. And and Joseph said, Joseph brought a bad report to them, to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. We believe the writer of um, these first five books, Genesis, Exodus, and, and so forth, we believe him to be Moses. And Moses details that Joseph throws his brothers under the bus. Joseph tattles on his brothers with a bad report of the, of the work that they were doing. And we, we also learn that, that Joseph, yes, is this most favored child because Rachel is Jacob's most favored wife. And for so long, they, in, in their attempt, they were, were not able to have children and, and they both had Joseph at this later age and so he becomes this favored one of his parents, loved more than the rest. He even got the coolest clothes. Um, And it's repeated with emphasis again. uh, Jacob, Israel, dad, loved him more. And so this brings us to our first understanding of why this of, of why this presence of evil, why this presence of resentment growing in this family. And I don't have these numbered in your outline, but it's listed first. It's the pain of favoritism. <laughs> favoritism is very, is, is, is a common theme in Genesis. Um, and even Jacob's mom, Rebecca, as they're planning to, to take away the blessing um, that Esau would receive, and they, it's, it's another wild story, right, of, of where they, you know, they, they, she does the cooking, and so he's smelling like Esau would smell, and they get in the garment, and I don't know, rubbing the garment under Esau's armpits or whatever, it's, and, and, and throwing this on, and by this, they're able to deceive Isaac, 
and receive the birthright that, that Esau would have received. We're not going to go into depth of this, but the James 2 reminds us of the better way. My brothers and sisters, do not show favoritism. I don't know if we have that up there, but the, do not show favoritism as you hold on to the faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. And fast forward to the New Testament and, and so on, the context of this is, this, uh, is just don't, whatever they're wearing or whatever, don't show favoritism. The person dressed with the fine clothes and the gold rings is no better than the one dressed in, in fancy or in filthy clothes. And so further down it says in verse 4, haven't you made distinctions upon yourself and become judges with evil thoughts? And that is exactly what Jacob does. In, in choosing this favored Joseph, making distinctions, judging at the expense of his children with evil thoughts. Who are they? They're nothing compared to you, Joseph. And it gets worse. In verse 5, now Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brother said to him, are you indeed to reign over us, or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and his words. And in this succeeding dream, he, he shares, not just to his brothers, but to the rest of his family, he tells that the sun, the moon, and 11 stars are, are going to be bowed down to him. So what we learn um, next in, in our outline, we see Joseph, in Joseph, we see in, in what's going on is the ugliness of arrogance and pride. Joseph, use your filter. You, you don't have to share everything. Read your audience. You know, you, this, it, and this series, they hated him. They hated him more, and they hated him even more. They, they want, um, I don't know how it got to this point, but they want to kill him. They want to throw him in a pit and leave him for dead. So we read further down in verse 26, Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. And then Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt, to this, getting to this point of all the brothers see is red with anger and with hatred. And they, they have to, they, they want to act on it and take matters into their own hands. So they take the place of God 
Now, thankfully, they do not kill Joseph, but their, ang- their actions are what Joseph explains to them 30-plus years later, to the intent to do evil, to lie to their father, to, to, get, rid of their, to get rid of their brother. Lying and deceiving and backstabbing, cheating, disobedience. Um, Isaiah describes it, see, like, we all like sheep, all of us have gone astray. All of us have, have turned our own way, and we maybe have not gone to that extreme as, as the brothers have, but we are all lawbreakers and put ourselves before God. And so we're also reminded in your outline of the reality of sin. They've sinned against their brother. They've sinned against their father Jacob. They've sinned against God. And, and in this, this span, this very big span of uh, chapters um, 37 on to 50 of, of decades and, and many, many years that Joseph sold at 17, and, and he's reunited with his brothers uh, decades later. They have lived with that sin. They've lived with guilt, with fear, and with shame. And even after Joseph has repeatedly shown mercy to them in their time, their family has re- reunited. We go back to Genesis 50, kind of moving back and forth. But when Joseph saw that their father was dead, they said, if it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they're still trying to, you know, get right. Even after all that Joseph has done to, 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 to bring them closer to Egypt, to bring them to, I know that we haven't mentioned that, but... Um, They're still posturing and living with this sin and guilt that they've committed to their brother. So I know we're hurt, well, there's, you know, we're hurting on time and and so forth, but there's, there's so much that happens in between chapter 37 and chapter 50, right there. And I don't know how much you're familiar with the story, but it, I'll, I'll go faster, Okay. He sold at slavery at 17. He sold to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officers. He's placed in charge of, of Pharaoh's estate. Potiphar's wife wants to sleep with him, seduce him, but Jacob withstands this temptation. He's falsely accused and imprisoned. Um, and they, but over time, God has favor with Joseph. God is with Joseph. It's mentioned that like four to five times in, in, in this chapter. The Lord was with him and caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. The Lord made him succeed. And he's able to interpret the dreams of this baker and this cupbearer. And um, one dies and one doesn't. And the other forgets that he's in prison and, and so forth. But then a couple years later, there's something happening with the dream of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh explains about these cows and fat cows and thin cows and, and so forth like that. But what is able to, what, what Joseph is able to interpret through God is that there's going to be this severe famine that affects Egypt and affects 
the, the surrounding territories. And so, Pharaoh gives Joseph this power. God allows all this to happen. Pharaoh puts him second command of Egypt, and to manage all of that, to manage all that that's happening with, with, with the famine and with Egypt itself, Pharaoh gives Joseph his signet ring, clothes him in fine linen garments, gives a gold chain and a car, a sweet chariot, coming for to carry him wherever he wants to go. So all of this happening, he, because of this famine, Jacob sends his remaining sons to, to figure out how to get food and, and to get food. And then there's this incredible encounter that Joseph has as his brothers make their way to Egypt. He messes with them a little bit, and I would too. Right? And, um, but he's able to reunite with his family with his father Jacob and bring them to live beside of them. Joseph remained faithful and the Lord was with him. So we see this take a turn um, in our outline. God meant it for good, for whatever had happened to him in this abandonment and hatred and um, giving them over to be, giving him over to be a slave. God meant this for good, and that's um, what we'll unpack. Through Jesus, sorry, oh, gave it away. Through Joseph, we see Jesus, and there's there's a lot more than than what I have, but there's just wonderful parallels of looking at Joseph's life and, and, and Jesus' life together. And um, even, I, I just was trying to look this up, and this pastor um, and author, his name's Eric Raymond, he shares some of these things about this, the tie um, that these, the parallels that are between Joseph and Jesus. He was mocked by his family. He was sold for pieces of silver. He was stripped of his robe. He was delivered up to the Gentiles. He was the Egyptians. He was falsely accused. He was thrown into prison. He saves his rebellious brothers from death when they realize who he is. He was faithful amid, amid temptation. We know that one, I think the briefest verse in Scripture in, in, in the book of John, that Jesus wept. Joseph wept a lot. It's just mentioned so many times in, in those chapters of, of so much he weeps. And through this famine, Joseph is the instrument God uses at the hands of the Gentiles to bless his people. He helps feed and save hundreds of thousands. I have thousands, but hundreds of thousands. His actions save so many. And as we go back, um, as we're in chapter 50, verse 17, he says, And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. 
These are his brothers still posturing. We ask your forgiveness. And they already had it. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? Joseph didn't share this with the the best of intentions about his dream, but don't you notice that the dream he had way back decades ago in chapter 37, that this dream does come true. His brothers do bow before him. But throughout the course of all these years and in all these chapters, Joseph has released resentment. He's given this over to God, his hurt, his betrayal, and has received his brothers as just that, his brothers. And he showed them, he loved them and showed them a love like Jesus. In that, we also see the power of forgiveness. That's what's next in your outline, the power of forgiveness. What point do you think Joseph forgives his brothers? That's a trick question, I don't know. Um, Maybe it was when he saw them, right? Maybe it was when he had time to gather his thoughts as he was in, as he was taken and, and, and given and sold into slavery. Forgiveness is a power beyond yourself. Joseph couldn't do this on his own. Joseph had to rely on God to make this decision. He had to seek God to grant forgiveness. And if you find yourself in that situation of being unwilling to forgive, ask for God's grace. Ask for God's power to release that hurt and the resentment that you have over someone. In verse 20, which we've already read, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. The last thing that I want to say um, is also in your line, our outline. Through Joseph's life, we discover the wonder of providence. Gosh, I'm reading a lot of scripture, but it, it's helpful, I hope, for you. It's helpful for me. But we go to Genesis 45, and when J- Joseph finally admits that I am Joseph, your brother, and they, he terrifies them. But he says in, verse, in chapter 45, Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near, and he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth 
and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it is not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and rule over all the land of Egypt. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God sent me to preserve life. God sent me to keep hundreds of thousands alive. It was not you, but God. God was at work amidst this reality of sin. The Lord was with Joseph, and God continues to work in the midst of all of that, of sin, of suffering. God has a response to every detail of my life and of your life. And in Providence, God is working out his plan. And I love that we got to sing it. I didn't know what the worship team was singing, but we sang it, and I'm like, yes, way to go, Gerald. God is working out his plan for his glory and our good. I know nothing has been wasted. No failure or mistake. Nothing has been wasted. Our joys, our pains, our sufferings, our sorrows, the blessing and good that we've received, our sin, the sin that we have committed and the sins that have been committed against us, our addictions, our cancer, our anxieties, our depression, our, our divorce, the loved ones that have been lost. You, God, you're an artist and a potter. We're the canvas and the clay. God, you are working and using all of us in our lives for your ultimate glory and our ultimate good. I want to um, just, I don't know if you've heard of this person, uh, Johnny Erickson Tata. Uh, Johnny uh, was paralyzed, uh, was a quadriplegic, um, and she writes about her life, and she writes about her story, because in, 20, in uh, July 30th, 2022, subtract 55 years from that, um, I don't know how long ago that, but this is what she writes as she celebrates, as she shares about 55 years of being a quadriplegic. Today, 55 years after I made that dive into shallow water, snapping my neck and totally derailing plans for my future, I now know why God allowed it. I know for certain that reason is found in Genesis. In the story of Joseph, a man who was sold by his brothers into slavery in Egypt and confined to prison for years. In the beginning of my years of paralysis, when I was struggling with why God allowed my accident, I felt like Joseph, confined and enslaved. Over time, those feelings of confinement dissipated as I learned to trust God. Then I started Johnny and Friends and began sharing my testimony among people with disabilities. I even traveled to the far corners of the world to share more my story, and wherever, wherever, everywhere I went, I was amazed to see people open their hearts to Jesus Christ. I resonated with Joseph even more when I returned to his story and read Genesis 50, 20, a verse that revealed God's plan all along. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. I focused on that last part, clinging to the promise that God would bring good from the harm I had suffered, 
But when I turned my attention to the second half of Joseph's words to his brothers, I was amazed. Joseph understood that God intended his suffering for the saving of many lives. That's when it clicked. God intended my suffering to be a platform for the saving of many lives. And all these years through the ministry of Johnny and friends, we've seen thousands of people and families who struggle with disabilities open their hearts to Jesus Christ. My, driving ac- my diving accident was for the saving of many lives. My heart breaks to think that the suffering people endure here on earth may only be a dark omen of worse suffering to come if they do not have the chance to hear about and respond to Jesus Christ. That, this is why I broke my neck. There are indeed more important things in life than walking or having use of my hands. The most important thing is finding hope in Christ and helping others do the same. You know, there's, that, there's this reality that this doesn't answer or resolve every question that you have. You still have doubts. You still wrestle. You struggle. You continue to struggle. So, so good for Matt to mention last week, you and I walk with a limp. The thing that helps me in my search for, for understanding and truth what helps is I find a God who knows and understands suffering. Because in his love for us, he allowed his son Jesus to suffer too. And this thing about providence, it's awesome. I mean, you are not here by accident. And Providence just doesn't happen because you're in church on Sunday. Every day is an outworking of God's providence, and I'm so grateful that we're part of a church that that wants to help you take your next steps in this journey. And it happens as as we investigate the Scripture, as we we take time to, to meet with God, as we take greater steps to know Him, Grabbing coffee, building community with, with others, brothers, brothers and sisters in Christ. And this working of providence is to help us see Jesus. To help us forgive. To realize that God is working in you, through you, despite you, for his glory and for our good. Let's pray together. Lord, Lord Jesus, thank you for all we've, um, for all you're doing, for all you've done, for the work that you've done in our, our lives and the work um, and grace that you continue to do. Thank you um, for what we got to hear about today, that, that you are working um, for your glory and for our good. And Lord, help us to live there and to realize there and to know that you provide love and grace and truth. Lord, we want to know you and thank you that you allow us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.